0: So, what part of the
1: world are you in? I live in Boise, Idaho, which is where I grew up, oh. um, northwest part of the state. So, not that far from you. Um, I uh, I lived in. I moved to New York back in 1987 when I was 21 uh, to seek my fame and fortune, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, and spent 16 years there. And I came back to Boise in oh three with uh um well then i had a wife i you know eventually we were divorced but we came back that we brought our daughter back our three-year-old daughter back to boise in 2003 to raise her uh new york had become you know uh, unwieldy for us uh as parents and also it was right after 9 11 and new york was pretty scary at that time so it was a um, it was a good choice. It was a nice place to raise a kid. She's a, she, I, I, uh, I had a plan to uh, create a ski buddy for myself, which I did. She's a great skier. And, um, you know, she got to sort of grow up uh, with, with the mountains and, and uh, wa- you know, wildlife around her. Uh, but now she goes to college in New York City, or just outside <laughs> of New York. So she, <laughs> she abandoned me and went back to live my dream life.
0: Oh, wow. Well, you did you did well in New York, though. I mean, you were you were signed with Clive Davis or something, weren't you?
1: Yeah, I in uh, uh, well, 1991, my first album came out and that was uh, on Arista Records. And Clive was the guy uh, who I mean, you know, really his one of his A&R people, Mitchell Cohen signed me. But uh, but of course, Clive is the he's the. You know, when you go into Clive's office and he's got a picture of him with Springsteen and a picture of him with uh, Whitney and a picture of him with J- uh, Janis Joplin, a picture of him with, uh, you know, Miles Davis, it's like, yeah. boy, I guess I, I guess this is the place I should end up. Because back then, you know, in 90, 1990, actually, was when I signed the deal. Um, there was a kind of a bidding war for me, you know, that I had a great lawyer and he, and a manager, another, another guy manager who, who created this little frenzy, feeding frenzy around me at that time. And uh, so I had six or seven labels bidding for me. uh, And uh, Clive, uh, he, it seemed like the the thing to do, you know, he was, uh, he was, he was the legend. And I, I, I knew the I knew the, the you know, the, the issues I might run into, which I did run into, which was creative control and, and uh, uh, you know, trying to maintain who I was in a, as an artist. But uh, the, uh, it was just too tasty an opportunity to, uh, to pass up. And I think in the long run, it was a, it was a good idea. Uh, um, I, I, did, I became, a, you know, a success right away. My first single, I Wonder Why, was a top 10 hit all over the world. Uh, and uh, that first album of mine sold a million and a half copies. So it,
0: yeah, that I, was, I was that was lucky. a great that was a great single, by the way. Mm-hmm.
1: And thank and, you.
0: Yeah, really good. And and like, what a first! What a what a first uh, kick at the can, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, uh, you had some incredible players on that album too. I read. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh well, that song uh, that the record was produced by two different people. Most of the, uh, all but four of the songs were produced uh, by Glenn Ballard and Glenn and I wrote, I wonder why together as well as some others. Um, and so for the Glenn Ballard side of the record, it was John Robinson on bass and Abe Laborio. I mean, sorry, John Robinson on drums, excuse me, Abe Laborio on bass. Uh, Buzzy Featon uh, on the, at least on the tracking session. Uh, uh, Bill Payne from Little P- Feet played uh, organ. Uh, Randy Kerber played piano, um, and then we had you know I mean the people that came in. I mean Michael Landau played a lot of the guitars on it, so he he became a, f- a friend, and uh, uh, it was amazing. And then on the other side of the record with Danny Korchmar producing, which was just great in in in, a, uh, in itself to be yeah, working C- with, Cooch is with, like with Cooch. Cooch Kooch sort of
0: rises his head in so many different areas. I mean, yeah. I was just yeah. I was just talking to Peter Asher and you know he you know he just loves Cooch as well. Anyway, go sure. ahead.
1: Well I think I am I'm, I'm pretty sure that Cooch um was the way that, that uh, Peter Asher found out about James Taylor, you know, because Cooch of course was, was his, his uh, teenage buddy. They played in bands together when they were kids. And, uh, but uh, yeah, Cooch. So Cooch's side of my record was uh, uh, the tracking session was Jeff Percaro on drums. Amazing. um, uh, T.M. Stevens on bass, uh, uh, David Page on keyboards and was it Michael? Yeah. Michael Landau played, played guitar and the, and then of course, Cooch played guitars on uh, on stuff as well. I mean, he's such a great guitar player. Uh, yeah, so I was I, it was amazing. I mean, I was a 24 year old kid uh, playing with guys that I'd been listening to my whole life on records. It was really really exciting.
0: Well, Pacaro was like what a wonder kind, you know. I mean, the, yeah. well, he was he was 17 when he played on Silk Degrees.
1: Yeah, it's what it's what like, he was.
0: When you hear the drumming on Silk Degrees, you go, "That's a 17 year old kid." Yeah. He was extraordinary. Good, good.
1: He was a really nice guy too. It was, uh, he, he died not, not that long after that record, um, just a couple of years later. And, uh, it was it was really sad. He was very nice to me. He was a David Page was, you know, a little crusty. He kind of had the you know, sort of the yeah I'm here to work. You know, he, he might have had a rough night the night before or something. So he wasn't he wasn't terribly lovey-dovey with me. But Picaro was really nice, very sweet. And we chatted. And uh, I, I, I really I mean, I enjoyed those sessions immensely. It was really exciting.
0: Well, what a what a groove that guy. It's like, you know, from the very first time that I heard Toto and then you know, withhold the line and going like, just even that, just that opening, don't, 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 you know, that whole groove coming in. I loved it. Then finding out, then putting it together that, Oh, these are the guys that played on Silk Degrees, which was an album (laughs) that I loved. So all that stuff sort of started, you know, you know, then you start researching who these people are and it's incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that he started so young, it's, it's really impressive. I mean, they, they, they were both, uh, you know, I mean that that whole band was so amazing, but my God, yeah, Percaro, he just he had such a groove, he had such a pocket, and uh, um, it's a it's a shame he he went so young.
0: Yeah, way way too bad. Um, but I I gotta I gotta bring up your career because <laughs> um, you talk about Clive Davis, and you said something about creative control, and I'm going, uh-huh. I mean that's you're like Neil Young,
1: you sort of go. <laughs> You sort of go whatever way suits your fancy, you well, know, because thank, I'm I, I thanks mean, for saying that. I mean, I and I I, I, I I, think in my head, I think that I think but I never say that out loud. Yeah, I'm like Neil Young because I I mean, obviously, Neil Young is a god and he's and he's just like a piece of art in his own right. But uh, um, I definitely have. I have gone down a lot of roads that um, I think people didn't expect me to go down. I've, I have confounded publicists and, and A&R guys and managers over the years, because I just, you can't really put me in a, in a, in a, in a, a bucket, you know, I mean, Le- Neil Young s- somehow has managed to make a lot more money than I have <laughs> and sold a lot more records being that guy. But uh, um, yeah, I, I, I just, I do what I want to do and I don't do what I don't want to do. I guess that's more important. I just, I couldn't make the records that Clive Davis wanted me to make. Uh, the first record kind of ended up, slicker than i heard it in my head and it had mostly to do with clive davis breathing down the neck of the producers that i worked with because both both producers um you know were capable of making great pop records that weren't slicker than they needed to be and my first record i love that record i'm proud of it the songs are mine i you know I, i i i was there that was me but I wanted to move left. I didn't want to stay there in the middle of the road, making records that sounded like the early nineties. I wanted to, I wanted to sound more like, frankly, I wanted to be John Hyatt. You know, I wanted to be Bonnie Raitt. That's who I really was sort of seeing myself as. And I got pegged as the Michael, as Michael Bolton Jr. And that wasn't what I wanted to, to be known as. I, I just, I wanted, I wanted to be a singer songwriter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, uh, God, I was, I I had, I had a question. It was perfect. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, it's okay. It's okay. Because I was, it was what you were saying and then you, and then.
1: Well, about the creative control and Clive. and. no, no, no,
0: no, no. It wasn't just that though, but it's okay. It'll probably come back around. I'm sure I'll find it. But um, the the thing about, uh, oh, I know what I was going to say. It's interesting you bring all that up because I remember back a few years ago, this girl that I knew, an acquaintance, uh, my then wife, uh, who's passed away now, sadly, but she hmm. was an acquaintance of mine and I hung up with her husband and all that sort of stuff. But she came up to me, she says, I've got a, a singer I just love. I know you've never heard of him. And she said, But he's just incredible. And I hmm. said, Who's that? She says, Curtis Staggers. I said, Curtis Staggers, I played with him. She goes, I've played with him. She yeah. goes, she goes, F off. <laughs> like, that's right. And I said, I said, No, honestly, I did. And, and so it, it, it took me a while. And finally, when we got together, I showed her a little blurb of us playing together on the, on the uh, live at the rehearsal hall. And she goes, yeah. I can't believe it. You, go, you know everybody. But I was trying to figure out where she would have found out about you. And then I was late to the dance. I'm watching Sons of Anarchy. Ah. And then I see the credits for the song. I went, holy smokes, that's Curtis. And yeah. I'm going okay. So because that's a whole different direction. And what I, I knew you as this jazz sax player guy when I when I first you know came into your world. So then I put it together. Her her husband, who is a Harley guy. Ah. He probably was watching Sons of Anarchy, loved the theme song, found out who you were and followed you in that direction. So I was because I couldn't put quite put together how she might have heard of you. And then I realized quite a few years later, actually, that it was from Sons of Anarchy because I didn't even watch
1: Sons of Anarchy till,
0: gosh, maybe a year or so ago. And Uh, what a great show. Oh, my
1: God. Cool. It's cool. Is Hamlet on motorcycles? basically? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, thanks for joining us check out our other vignettes and full episodes from a wide variety of guests for more great content please like share and subscribe and become a member at socialenergypresents.com to access premium content and earn valuable energy points just for watching